A lot of people see justice as the most futile thing you can do with your life. Give your life completely to business and you see the money piling up. Be a health nut, eat right, go to the gym, and your muscles will grow and your body will look good and you'll see results. But when it comes to justice, it seems like you just can't get ahead. You patch up one hole and something else rips open. You bring peace to one region and war breaks out in another. You rebuild after an earthquake and a tsunami hits. And you work and you work and you work and there's never any profit. There's no bank where you can store a surplus amount of justice in. Stability is never permanent. Something always tips and people always ask, is it even worth it? And that question though understandable, it's, I mean, quite frankly, it's ridiculous. And it rarely comes from those who are actually tired from pursuing justice and not just tired of the idea. It rarely comes from people who've labored for years and have good reason to ask it. And you know why they never ask? Those type of people become friends with those who suffer. Family even. Because it's one thing to wonder if someone else's freedom is worth fighting for. But when you begin to identify with that someone else, commune with them, that's when the question is no longer worth asking. That's when it becomes offensive even. What do you mean, is it worth my time? That doesn't even deserve an answer. I don't care how long it takes. I don't care how many times you fail. I don't care how little progress is made. You never stop fighting for your own. Phenomenal song that we're just saying. That is grace reaches me. Question is, we sing this part, it says, now I'm under his control. Is it a song? Is it just something that simply just slips off our lips, or is it really something deep in our heart? Hey, good morning. Welcome to High Point. Um, Brad is not here. Brad is in El Salvador. He will return tomorrow. Uh, he's down there with six others uh, checking on our work in El Salvador. Uh, if you're unfamiliar with that work, uh, we'll have a full report coming up on Harvest Sunday in February uh, and we also have a missions uh, story wall out here on the west. Uh, I would encourage you to see that wall if you've never seen it. I know a lot of you enter this side of the building and you never even come to this side. So if you've never seen our missions wall, our Faith in Action Center, uh, please do that maybe today to see what happens in El Salvador. For the month of November, we are doing a series titled Good, Clean Living. Living whole in a broken world. You know, in the video, the spoken word author said, there is no bank where you can store a surplus amount of justice in. You see, every day, I think you and me are a lot alike, we see the realization that we live in a broken world. It doesn't take long to figure that out. And many times we are overwhelmed to the point that we desire to seek justice but we're left with confusion. And that confusion leads us to complacency because we don't know what to do. 
and then we lack the courage to lean in to right the wrongs or even know how to respond. For example, one of, one of the, the greatest things on the news right now is the Syrian refugee crisis. What is our response? I was at Hutchins two weeks ago uh, talking with an older gentleman uh, that they just shipped a container down there. But what is our response when you talk about 9 million people that have fled their homes since the outbreak of the war in March of 2011? You see, Syria is our global neighbor. It's more than just a news story, but, but we're left because we don't know what to do. And we're the wealthiest country in the world, but yet we've only declared that 10,000 of those can become one of us. Now, I know that's politically charged if you've been keeping up with the news. But, but we are in a different kingdom. We're not under the, the kingdom of the United States of America. We are under the kingdom of God. Politics aside, how do we respond? And we continue to watch the news, and we continue to get more comfortable and more complacent. In fact, there was a recent study uh, that reported in roughly in the 1980s. We are 40% less apathetic now than what we were then. You see, we become people who just sit and we watch. So what does it mean in Micah 6, 8? says, now what does the Lord require of us? To seek justice, to love mercy, and walk humbly with your God. Let me propose another question to you. What is a lost treasure worth? Suppose you knew the coordinates, the, the approximate GPS coordinates of a $5 million treasure just off the sunny coast of Florida. And, and it was yours after you gave Florida their taxes and after you gave, you know, the, the ship people and you paid the scuba divers. If you knew that there was $5 million off the coast of sunny Florida, what would y'all do? Well, I mean, really, what would you do? I would I'd probably try to go find it. If, if somebody said, hey, here are the coordinates, it's there, and, and just go. Or maybe, maybe for some of us, the treasure really lies in a freezer at our local grocery store that showed up this week, right? Amen? If... If the treasure is Bluebell, I did not get one invitation to come eat Bluebell this week. Nor did I eat Bluebell. How many of you did? I'm just curious. How many? Wow. I did not expect that. All right. I don't even know where to go now because I don't want to. <laughs> I don't want to make y'all feel guilty. <laughs> where is our treasure? It could be a, a five-dollar carton of ice cream, or it could be five million dollars off the sunny coast of Florida. We will move mountains to get to that treasure, and even a silly five-dollar carton of ice cream. So. I'm going to share with you a glimpse 
and for immediate ways for us to take action. Immediate ways for us to take action. That's why one reason we're doing the offering at the end. Sure, put tons more money in it. Amen. But I'm asking for your response on your card. If anything strikes your heart at any point, maybe it's a simple prayer request. Maybe it's one of the organizations that I mentioned here in a moment that you want to write down and you want to know more about and, and you're not really sure how to Google it. That's fine. We can help connect you. But I'm going to mention some things. And I want you to respond. May we not be like the man in the mirror as the book of James, the brother of Jesus says. Don't be like the man who looks in the mirror and simply goes away and forgets what he looks like. We're here to challenge each other, to encourage each other, to keep growing. Growing to be alive in Christ. Growing in the image of Christ. So here's the challenge and invitation today. We live in one of the wealthiest counties in the country with the family average income being $94,875. We are almost double the average for the state of Texas. And consider this, the average home is over $300,000. I didn't even write the right amount down because I felt weird writing it down. Our homes are worth value, and they come with plenty of extra space and extra rooms. Consider this, a little less than 10% of the residents of McKinney live at or below the poverty line of 22000 for a household of four. That turns out to be a little less than 15,000 residents of McKinney. We're not talking about our global neighbors in Syria anymore. We're talking about our neighbors here in McKinney, who struggle to make ends meet. Now, I know Satan's going to come in, and you're going to tune me out, but this is, this is not me. This is from Scripture this morning. And your cynical voice is going to get in your head, but I'm going to ask you to slow down your mind and your heart and ask God to open up your heart. Throughout Collin County, it means that more than 65 65,000 children live at or below the poverty line. It also means that 800 kids in McKinney ISD, they go home on the weekends hungry. But with our partnership with 3E and many other churches, 800 families receive food for the weekend and backpacks. High Point has partnered with Samaritan Inn and Community Lifeline to stand in the gap. And we're providing 100 Thanksgiving bags or more to distribute to our friends and neighbors. And I'm going to invite Bob Mitchell up real quick uh, to talk about our community garden. Because, because High Point is responding. All right? High Point is responding to some of these numbers. Just a couple of quick questions for Bob. And trust me, Bob did not want to come back up here, but I could not find any willing participant to stand for, for the garden, uh, at least today. So, so Bob, just quickly, share with us how many pounds of produce that the garden has made in the most recent season. Okay, this fall is just a startup trial period. 
but we have uh, taken 800 pounds of produce to these uh, people that need it. 800 pounds, right? That, that, is, that is worth celebrating, and that's only the beginning. Uh, quick story, last question. What does a community garden do to bring justice to our community? Okay. Uh, justice is um, justice is giving people what they deserve uh, uh, and being fair and even beyond that I think we're giving uh, we're showing love to our neighbor mercy grace um, the garden is one thing we can do we provide fresh produce and also an opportunity if people want to learn how to grow themselves um, <clears throat> uh, lots of people can partake in this uh, to help us, especially come in the spring. And uh, one of my jobs has been to carry the produce over to the Community Lifeline Center. And I see the people uh, waiting with their appointments. Uh, this is where our food pantry is operating now, so you need to ask uh, Diane Newhouse or Linda Harden about the food pantry operation now. Uh, but I see the people waiting for their appointment. <clears throat> Not only do they get food, they get help in getting back on their feet. Uh, so there's all sorts of assistance to them. Uh, but when I bring in the bags of zucchini and corn and green beans and uh, tomatoes, um, and uh, I just say, oh, we got some vegetables here. The people I know waiting out in the lobby say, oh, I want some of everything, the peppers too, even the jalapeno peppers. <clears throat> and it's just uh, the look in their eyes that... Um, this is, this is the start of turning around, and uh, fresh produce is always appreciated. Yeah. Some of the kids don't go for the green beans. <clears throat> so, thank you, Bob. You're welcome. Oh, take that down there. You know, Bob is one of many. There, there's 20 rows uh, that have been adopted, and, and there will be more rows uh, when spring rolls around. Uh, for an opportunity. Uh, Bob is on both sides of the fence, meaning that he gets to see the relationships that we're impacting. He gets to see the faces and the names. I, on the other hand, I can't even grow the silly little thing that the school sent home for Kennedy to set on the windowsill, and we're supposed to, like, water it, and it hasn't grown. I, she's not in here. I threw it away. too much trouble, but thank you all for those that are participating. You see, there's names and there's faces in our community. We have to go beyond charity and into justice. So let me explain. Today, all throughout the United States, is what is known as Orphan Sunday. We did not plan it this way. Many churches all across the country have celebrated Orphan Sunday for years on end. Throughout the whole month of November, it's Adoption Awareness Month. Brad and I agreed that it wasn't really ideal for him to be gone the way that the sermons fell. 
But I'm here to tell you it's not a conflict or interest or a special agenda of mine. It is the agenda of God. Some of you are totally confused right now. Like, dude, you haven't even said anything. You're like crying. So, so, so I'm going to get there. Isaiah 1, 17 and James 1, 27 says that God's desire is for us to do what is right, for us to seek justice, for us to defend the cause of the fatherless and the care for the widows and the orphans. Some more numbers for you. In 2014, there were 31,176 children in foster care in the state of Texas. As of January 2015, there were 4,041 waiting for their adoptive forever family. And did you know that in Collin County alone, there are 165 children in foster care? 60 of those are waiting to be adopted. Many more get displaced out of Collin County because there's not enough families who foster. In fact, I'm going to share with you how big that gap is. 4,400 cases of child abuse and neglect were reported by the uh, Child Protective Services, known as CPS, in Collin County. Of those, 515 children were determined to have suffered abuse or neglect so severe that they were removed from their homes and placed in foster care. Now keep in mind the number I shared with you earlier Collin County only fosters 165 children. So we're asking these children who do not have foster families to be displaced all throughout Texas and one of the richest counties in the United States of America. Around 20 of these kids in foster care when they turn 17, 18, they age out. That means they age out of the system without a forever family, meaning someone to support them, love them, and encourage them all the rest of the days of their life. Twenty percent of kids who age out of the foster care system will forever become homeless. And throughout our nation, that means 4,600 young adults become homeless because of a lack of response. It's not about Syria. So back to the question, what is a lost treasure worth? The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again, and then in his joy he went and sold all he had and bought that field. There's nothing more life-giving and fulfilling than participating in the kingdom of God. As many of you know, we recently adopted our fourth girl, and it is way too long to go into, and as I mentioned, this is God's story and God's agenda. After a desire that has lasted for well over 10 years, 
in both my heart and Jessica. And after spiritual warfare that took place last summer, we decided to continue to enter on that desire because once God's Holy Spirit speaks something into you, you better respond. Otherwise, you're not following God. It's crazy. It makes no sense. And I even get it from our family. Like, dude, you have three girls. Take care of those. Dude, you're a minister. You do not make that much money. I get it. It's crazy. It makes no sense. And that's what the kingdom of God is about, that people look at us and it makes no sense. At the beginning of February of this year, we started the process, paperwork, paperwork, paperwork. And in late June, 1st of July, we finished the paperwork. In late August, uh, we received a phone call on Friday saying, hey, a birth mom has picked you. A birth mom has chosen you. And so that was on Friday, and on Monday, we were in Abilene for our birth placement uh, match meeting to see if everything fit. And on the way to Abilene, Jessica and I are in the car talking about, well, about adoption. What else do you talk about? All adoptions, for the most part, 99% of them are open. And what that means is that there's a relationship with the birth mom to some degree. Uh, once you have a relationship with the birth mom, you define what that relationship looks like. I was of the intention that, that we're the parents uh, and that, that we are receiving a baby even in the midst of her courage for choosing life. And so my idea of an open adoption was like, man, I, we'll see her maybe once a year. She's given us a treasure, but we'll see the birth mom maybe once a year to keep the open relationship going. But to make an incredibly long story short, we fell in love with our birth mom. She now has a face. She now has a name. And she now has a story. I went into that meeting having to eat tons of humble pie. I told our birth mom, almost verbatim, that I did not expect to come here today to be encouraged, inspired, or challenged to be a better person. But you have left me a better person today because you are the epitome of what hope means. You see, I went into this process thinking it was a transaction. And that was my mindset. And at the end, there's a baby involved. But in the middle became this beautiful mess known as the kingdom of God. The joy of receiving our baby girl has been filled with the most emotionally intense roller coaster either one of us have ever experienced but even beyond that on a Thursday night after the birth of Chancellor we're sitting in the hospital room Jessica uh, stayed in the birth mom's room as well I did not I had a different room 
But our night started about 8 o'clock after I made a run to get Ben and Jerry's because Bluebell was not in. (laughs) We sat there for almost two and a half, three hours talking about the good news of Jesus Christ. She's not accepted Christ. And to feel the weight of what this story and this process has looked like has been phenomenal. So what is a treasure worth? It's worth us pursuing our baby girl, but it's worth us pursuing our birth mom as well because God has gone far beyond us in writing this story to redeem and rescue our birth mom in the love of Jesus Christ. And there's, there's her story, which is her story, which I do not feel like it's my story to share. But you remember all those foster care numbers? She easily fits in those statistics. Once you taste and see the wonder of the kingdom of God, you want to be an ambassador and an advocate that brings life everywhere you go. And there is a thin space between heaven and earth when you decide to enter in and partner beyond charity into justice with God. So what does this mean? What does this mean? I'm going to give you three things if you're taking notes or whatever you're doing. I believe these are not an either-or approach. These are a both-and. You've got to choose one. Or you could choose what the writer of Revelation, John, said. You could be lukewarm. We have to choose confidence over conformity. 1 Corinthians 6.11, it says, But you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our Lord God. You, those of you who have taken these waters into baptism, have crucified the way in which you live, and you've been set apart, not because of your good works or anything that we'll ever, ever, ever do, but you have been justified by a God who loves you. You have been made right because Jesus Christ died on a cross for you. And you were washed, those of you who have chosen this step in the journey. You are called to walk in confidence in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. You are not called to conform to the world. You have been justified. You have been made right. And the Holy Spirit is on you. We should have power and courage to charge the gates of hell. But yet, we'll keep watching the news. He has made you alive in Christ, so please choose confidence over conforming. Ephesians 2.10 says you've been created in Christ to do good works. So you must choose either you're going to be a creator or you're going to be a consumer. The God who gives life to dead and calls things into being that were not, Romans 4.17. He calls things into existence that never existed. And he's waiting for you to partner 
in that because he's created every single one of us for good work. Are you pursuing those works? So you're called to be a creator second, not a consumer. Think about it. I, I was at Baylor Hospital yesterday, and if you go to the ER you see the cross of Jesus Christ. Hospitals exist because disciples of Christ that have gone on before us chose to change the world through hospitals. It's all around us. Third thing, I'm going to ask you to choose to be courageous over being comfortable. Romans 5.11 says, Not only is this so, but we also boast in God through our Lord Jesus Christ through whom you have now received reconciliation we boast in the name of the Lord our God we have confidence in the name of the Lord of our God which allows us to be courageous and not comfortable Romans 6 11, we have died to ourselves in the waters to bring life and hope to others dead to sin and alive in Christ So a couple of quick s- stories. A friend of mine up in Oklahoma who has been in the foster care battle long before I even really understood what it was, uh, recently told me that, it, that he is more and more convinced that our life in Christ does not call us to be comfortable. So let me ask you, is justice worth it? You have been justified. You have been made right through the love of Jesus Christ. Is justice worth it? You are now standing in a right relationship because justice was worth it. So what does it mean to live whole in a broken world? I like this quote from Breen Brown. She says, I think our capacity for wholeheartedness can never be greater than our willingness to be brokenhearted. It means engaging with the world from a place of vulnerability and worthiness. Anthony Favors is a friend of mine uh, since college for 13 plus years now. And he spoke at the teens jump retreat just about two months ago. See, Anthony is on this journey to consistently pursue justice and this is what God has called he and his wife to do recently see recently they received a 13 year old who's been kicked out of the boys ranch and after the new year more than likely will be taking in his brother and this is what Anthony says about this two month old journey pursuing justice costs us more than you could ever imagine or anticipate It costs you your comfort. It costs you many sleepless nights. It costs you your time. It costs you your feelings. It costs you your pride. The list could go on and on and on. Is justice worth it? When I have a young man who is physically abused and who has had very little stability in his life come to live with us, and when I have taken him to school for well over a month now, and telling him every single day 
that I love him? And he gets out of the car with no response week after week and day after day. And he gets out of the car one day after Anthony says, I love you. He says, I love you. Is justice worth it? He says, oh yeah, it's worth it. He says, Sunshine and I have no regrets because we know without a doubt that we are doing exactly what God desires for us to do and has modeled for us. Or what about the family that I've recently known and come to love who are empty nesters? Who they've adopted a 21-year-old young lady because she aged out of the foster care. But they have provided her a hope, a future, and a Christ-centered family that's pointing her closer to Jesus every single day. Or our neighbors who recently have poured out their hearts in a foster care journey with a teen mom and her little baby. Here's what he shared on Facebook this week because it's not always glitz and glam and it's messy. His parents were uh, workers in a children's home. He's a local pastor here in town. He says, I always told myself that I would never do what my parents did, but the older I get, I find myself walking in their footsteps. While at the children's home, I don't recall the number of times my parents walked into a bedroom that was no longer occupied by a child they loved. Now, I finally feel how they felt as they walked into a bedroom that is no longer occupied by two children that we love so deeply for for such a short period of time as they left this week because of threats to the family. He said, all I could do was pray and cry as I observed the empty crib, the bed, the drawers, and the walls. He says, God, please help them. You know, many of you are the ones who have gone long before us. Many of you have stories. And I've, over the last several weeks, I've put some of those stories together of those of you that have adopted, those of you who have foster cared. So there's some of you out here that I don't even know about that have entered into this beautiful kingdom mess. But I also want to share with you just a quick story on video, and I want to thank Nick Nord. I have no idea if he's here today, uh, but Nick shot this video for us, and Marsha Vanderpool sure does not want me to share it. But, but stories of justice is what compel us to get off the couch. So watch Marsha Vanderpool's story about being a CASA advocate. This is a God story. When I first moved here, um, I worked for an accounting firm, and one of the part-time workers um, was a CASA advocate. And I thought, you know, I should really do that, but I just don't have the time. But my heart got pinched, you know. And, and then uh, my neighbor, about eight years later, came and said, I'm a CASA advocate. And I thought, man, I should really do that. But I was busy taking care of my parents and Glenn's parents. So I thought, I don't have the time to do that. And then uh, when we had the um, job fair, uh, Dana's neighbor came and she trains CASA advocates. And she came and had a booth 
and I walked up and I thought, you know, God has just been really hitting me with this. And uh, Dana Leach said, Marcia, you really need to do this. So I signed up. And I never really thought I was going to follow through with it. I thought I'll just check into it. And then it just kept coming up and, and uh, I went, uh, there's 30 hours of training. And the first day, if you don't think you can handle it, you don't have to continue on. But once I got there for the first day, I, I stuck it out. And I got my first case in August. I have a two-year-old, and her mother is a teenage mother. Well, she's not, we are moving her to Dallas. She is in Rallat. We have a real problem in Collin County. We don't have foster homes. And so all of our children, the majority of our children, are shipped to different, as far away as Houston. Um, so um, I'm fortunate. My baby is is um, not far out of Collin County, and uh, we are moving her in with her great aunt in in um, the next couple of weeks, and that will be in downtown Dallas. We have um, we just don't have foster families in Collin County, very, very few. My baby had to go to a center for three days after they took her out of the home. There was no foster parents, and then they found one. Because of her age, they tried very hard. It feels like I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing. I, it gives me kind of a peace. It, um, it makes me feel like I'm, I'm walking the way he wants me to walk. Judging comes very easy, you know, and the situations you see you it would be very easy as to judge these people, but you need to love the parents as Christ would love them and you need to love those children. Probably start crying. <laughs> they they grab your heart, these kids, and um, they become very, um, you become very attached to them because the need is so strong. Um. So it's your turn as we come to a close. Uh, everybody has a card. As you say, your family was here, not here. Uh, our guests can fill those out as well. I'm going to share a few things because we're called to step into this. We're not just called to leave here and nothing changes on Monday morning. So in your bulletin, you'll see that for some of you, it's a simple step. In your bulletin, uh, we, we have an adoption uh, supporting ministry with uh, kids in El Salvador with a partnership of the Christian Relief Fund. There's six more kids in El Salvador who needs our support at only $25 a month. So maybe you're writing that down on your card. Or you can contact uh, Diane Newhouse in your bulletin. Maybe it's uh, walking over to Marsha Vanderpool. Uh, it's to my left in the middle and asking her, tell me more about CASA. Embrace Texas is an adoption and foster care ministry organization that's in downtown McKinney that is trying to bring awareness to this. They were actually here on a Wednesday night back in April when we had CASA here and... Uh, embrace here and sex trafficking organization here we are called to step into this maybe a simple step so write down embrace texas if you're like man i want to know more about that and get in contact with bruce uh, reach mentor with mckinney isd maybe a step is to say you know what i can give up an hour 
a week to love a kid in need in a Title I school over at Vega Elementary or another school, but we're focused on Vega. So maybe it's just saying, hey, one hour a week. Maybe it's some of our teens saying, what do, what do we do? Uh, maybe it's organizing what's commonly known as uh, a respite night. It's free child care for foster families. Some of you participate in foreign exchange programs with some of our kids that come over and they live with us for a year. You see, justice is about relationships. It's not about charity. We're called to enter into relationships despite how comfortable we are in Collin County. So is justice worth it? Here's what Martin Luther King says. Justice at its best is love correcting everything that stands against love. And we need more Christ-centered families to rise to the occasion. What if High Point became an anchor of hope to those without homes, or more specifically, what if High Point stood in the gap to continue to say, you know what, there are Christ-centered families, over 400 families here at High Point. We can stand in the gap. What is a treasure worth? You see, you're that treasure. You've been pursued by the blood of the Lamb. And he did everything he could to capture your heart and your imagination. And he gave up his life. And so when, when Jesus speaks this parable, it's, it's two sides. He's pursued you and rescued some of you through the waters of baptism. And so what is a treasure worth? Now it's our opportunity to respond because we have been justified. And now it's our time to say, you know what, I can respond to justice. And I can do everything in my power to pursue it. So I don't know what your response is. Maybe it's time for you to enter the waters of baptism. Because God so loved you. He gave the right relationship for you to stand in the gap. Will you stand in the gap for somebody who's 21 years old and lost and say, so you can be our forever family and continue to point her closer to Jesus Christ. I don't know what your response is, but you have been bought, you have been redeemed, you are the treasure. Now it's our time to go and pursue other treasures because that's the kingdom of God that we live under. If you do have a response that you want to pray with a shepherd, a minister, please do that. The, ministers will, or the shepherds will be in the back with their wives. Shepherds will be up here. Um, but thank you for uh, honoring this time, and uh, I ask that you do respond on a card, and we'll turn those in in just a second. So Benny's going to lead us in a song of invitation as well. <laughs>